That is strange. You're listening. Hello. You are listening to. Hello. To the sound of the splendor. You're listening to, to the, the sound, sound of the splendor. splendor. This is the sound of the splendor. Splendor. <laughs> Identity. Noun. The fact of being who or what a person or thing is. The qualities, beliefs, etc. that make a particular person or group different from others. Identity. What is identity? What does it really mean? Why does it matter to us? This question has been rolling around in my head for weeks. When I started this project, I kept getting stuck because I was thinking that identity is what we do. Like, I'm a singer, or I work at this job, or I have kids, I'm a mom. But that's not really our identity. Those are just things that we do. They're not really who we are. And don't get me wrong, I mean, the things that we do, like being a mom, for example, really does inform our lives and informs who we are as a person. But if you take those things away, like let's say you get deserted on an island somewhere, you still have an identity. Even if you're not with your children or you're not at your job or you're not you know, doing that thing that defines you. So what is identity? To help us figure it out, we decided to break it up into three different categories. The first category is imposed identity. So the way that like your friends or family or society thinks you are supposed to be. So people are kind of shocked when I tell them I have a 17 year old. Right. And I'm a single mom. Because a lot of people still have all these assumptions that, oh, well, you must be on the welfare. You must be this and that. I've never been on the welfare. Just because I have two kids and I'm single, that doesn't mean that I'm destitute or my options are so limited. Like, I can't dream big Mm -hmm. and expect God to do these amazing things in my life. So even today, I I still have people have all these assumptions and they want to put their labels on me. The second category is false identity, the incorrect ways that we think about ourselves. I feel like I really wanted to be that mom, that, like, perfect mom Mm -hmm. who category is true identity. So who are you in Christ? What is your authentic self truly like when you can shake off the imposed and false identities and just be you? It's okay to embrace every ounce of who God has made us, and we're all unique, and He's made us all in these totally different and absolutely cool ways. I love who God has made me, and for the longest time, I didn't. The amazing woman you were just listening to is Frances Crusoe. She generously shared some of her story with us, as well as her thoughts on identity and how the various forms of identity have impacted her life. When I look back into my childhood, I realized that a lot of my childhood was cloaked in false identity, this false perception of what I had for myself um, based on how I grew up. Um, I grew up, I'm the middle child of five siblings, grew up in a single-parent household, low-income housing projects, you know, the, the, the whole nine. And so... I remember growing up, and my mom, she worked at a factory, second shift, so we spent a lot of time at my grandma's house and things like that, because um, my mom wasn't always at home. So for me, I knew that I didn't always want to live like that. 
none of my white friends lived like I did, but all of my black friends, we all lived in like low income, working class neighborhoods. So for me as a kid, I figured, well, I wish I was white because mm. all of my white friends, they have two parent households and they're beautiful. They don't get made fun of because of their dark skin or their thick curly hair. I remember wanting to get my hair straight and I would cry like every yeah. day because I would want to wear my hair straightened and down in a headband because that's how my white friends wore their hair and none of them ever got made fun of. Frances became a mother at 17 years old. An imposed identity reared its ugly head. I was I went from being this honors kid who everyone had all these high expectations and high hopes for to now the statistic. Mm-hmm. And people called me a statistic. People were so disappointed in me. They figured that my life was officially over. I lost friends. Mm-hmm. Um, teachers who once, like, were rooting me on were like, uh, well, I guess, you know, college is kind of over for you or whatever. And it was so hard for me to deal with because it's like, Yes, I became a mom, but my aspirations for going to college never left. Like, right. I still had every intention of going to college. I still graduated on time as an honor student. So mm-hmm. I couldn't understand why people started to see me differently. I started to feel like I might as well just kind of be who they think. I either think I'm the statistics, who's going to yeah. drop out of high school, who's not going to amount to anything. I mean, nobody is here, you know reminded me that I actually can still go to college mm-hmm. or that I can be someone despite the fact that I have this kid on my hip now. So for a little while, I, I felt myself kind of falling into that that self-fulfilling prophecy that everyone's kind of saying over me anyway. But she didn't give up. All of her life she had wanted to go to college, and she wasn't going to let the pressure of imposed identity stop that dream from becoming a reality. Even when I found out that I was pregnant, it it never registered to me that I wouldn't be able to go to college. Like, it, it never dawned on me that I wouldn't be able to go to college. So even after I became a mom, it's still, like, me not going to college, like, why not? I I never put that limitation on me. Other people did, but I never envisioned myself not going to college. Like, I worked hard to be this honor student for all these years, and mm-hmm. just because I had a kid, I mean, I can't go to college. Like, that didn't even register for me. And luckily, my mom, she was super supportive. She was very firm and saying that you're still going to college, like, even if we have to, like, take care of the baby and shift, I just still yeah. going to college. So me not going to college was never an option. That was never something that was in my plan or my mom's plan or anything like that. When I listen to her story, I'm in awe of how she has held on so firmly to her identity, 
while others have tried to push an identity upon her, and while her own mind has fought against the idea that she has become a statistic. And her story is just one of millions of stories of women all over the world who struggle with identity. Christelle is another one of those women. She offered to share her story with us, and she talks about her journey, about discovering that she is both introverted and very passionate, and also what it felt like to finally say, yes, I am a writer. The fact that I'm an introvert. Mm-hmm. For a long time, like, I really struggled. Like, I'm like, man, I'm, like, I, I, like, I wish that was different, you know what I mean? And I remember, like, there'd be years where, like, it'd be, like, a new school year, and I'm like, okay, this school year, I'm going to be like this, and I'm going to be more outgoing. But then, like, I was never, it never really, it, it didn't change because I'm not really, like, this outgoing person, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm an introvert. And even, like, um, like, I feel like I've always been, like, super passionate. I like to say passionate. Other people might say angry or, like, temper, temperamental, you know? But, like, I feel like so many times people kind of, like, people that are close to me or, or who have known me for so long, like, kind of expect me to, like, be moody or be, you know, like, have a sharp tongue or, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, just kind of, like, fly off the handle. And I hate that because, like, I, I feel like I've worked so hard to, like, change that about myself. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Or, like, just kind of, like, find different ways to express myself. But, like, you know, I am who I am. And, yeah, sometimes I am passionate. And, like, I'll, like, like say whatever's on my mind. And, but people kind of, like, see it as a negative. And I'm like, man, but I don't, I don't want that. You know, like, I don't feel like it's negative and yeah, I've, I've expressed it negatively in the past, but I'm, like, trying to express myself in a more positive way now. And so, yeah, sometimes, like, that impose, like, people, like, oh, yeah, because you know, and, like, they'll kind of, like, elbow you and, like, raise their eyebrows because you know how you, how you are. And I'm, like, what do you mean? <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, am I real? I mean, I know I've been that way, but I don't know. I, I can't recall anything recently that I've done that's crazy, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk a little bit about exactly where you are right now. What are the things that you're doing that you think are examples of this is what God has created me to do? Well, right now I'm writing. And it's funny because even though I've always loved writing since I was very young, I kind of ignored it for a long time. Even like, I think sometimes writers have a hard time saying that they're writing. Yeah. Because they feel like fraudulent, you know? I was like, you know what? I decided like last year sometime, I was like, you know what? I am a writer. Like, that's what I do. I write, and even if I'm not like this huge, well-known writer, like I am. That's what I am. That's who God created me to be. God made writing a way for me to worship. Like, I do a lot of like worship through my writing. Mm -hmm. I do a lot of ministry through my writing. And that's how God gifted me, you know? Like, I'm not a worship leader on stage or, or a a pastor speaking to thousands of people, like mm-hmm. I'm a writer. Christelle's journey reminds me of my own path with identity, and I wanted to process some of the things I was thinking. So I called up Sarah, who was the one that you heard interviewing both these lovely women, and she helped me clarify a few things that I had not previously understood about identity. I was just going to say, I think there's like broad general identity that is tied to 
Christ, like we're made in the image of God. And so there are specific things about humanity that mirror uh, who God is and his mm-hmm. identity. Um, but then also each of us are individuals. So each of us is crafted with a specific like identity that is mm-hmm. also married to our identity with Christ. So outside of Christ, we still have an identity. We're still a person. Um, We're still created for a specific purpose. But that purpose and that identity isn't full unless we're in that coexistence with Christ, that state of being where his identity is fueling our identity. Essentially, it's that concept where they talk about your the cup being filled, like Mm -hmm. that whole idea where I feel like – with identity specifically, a lot of times we are totally running on empty. We're running on empty and like scrambling for the things that we're just used to and are closest. So if Mm -hmm. I'm used to sarcasm and um, injurious words, then that's the first thing I'm going to go to if I'm empty. But if I Mm -hmm. have studied the Bible, like sat and prayed, written things out, thought about it, talked with other godly people, I can come at it with a whole different set of skills and like, um, have a completely different outcome because I've yep. been filled like at the beginning of realizing that my imposed and false identity did not match my true identity. That mm-hmm. time was really like sort of disorienting because like the foundation was taken out from below me. I didn't know how to be. I just didn't know how to be myself. And so then stepping into like trying to become my true self, I didn't know how to act, how to talk, how to think about things. I was sort of living in that fear of man kind of place. Mm-hmm. What will my mom think about me if I don't act sarcastic right now? Right. What will my husband say if I am kind to him instead of rude? But I think it was that external side where it's like, I just don't know. I don't know how to be vulnerable and kind. I don't know mm-hmm. how to not be sarcastic. So that means I don't know how to be Melanie. Revelation came to me. Revelation came to me. And I don't know yeah. how people are going to receive that. And so I think that I, and I still struggle with that a lot whenever I hang out with certain friends that, um, that I have more of my past self with than mm-hmm. my sort of my new self. So like I fall right back into sarcasm, judging, um, really harsh words and I hate yeah. it. It makes me feel like I am poison. Like I am just yeah. a poisonous viper woman that is like, where does that even come from? Cause that is not my heart. Like, yeah. um, and I think I, too, feel, that, I feel that way when I'm back with my family. Like wading into the ocean just out from the shore. Me. Mm-hmm.
In my conversation with Sarah, it struck me that identity can actually motivate us to do things that we don't really want to do. And this is something that I still deal with today. But after listening to some of the struggles and the victories of these other women, I have a better understanding of how identity affects me. But here's the best part. These women had some awesome things to say about true identity and what it means to be your authentic self. So I will leave you with their wonderful words of wisdom. I realize more and more that I don't have to be who anyone else says I am and I don't have to like have other people make me feel bad about who I am or anything like that because I'm who God created me to be and he doesn't make mistakes yeah. you know like even if I don't understand or if so and so down the street doesn't understand like why I am the way I am like God knows and he created everyone with a purpose and you know we're not all the same and not all going to see the world the same or interpret things in the same way mm-hmm. and that's okay you know like and like it's helped me to be like more accepting of myself mm-hmm. and kind of just like work through issues like to know that the god of the universe created me and he doesn't make mistakes and he created me exactly as he wanted me to be and that is just huge <laughs> you know and yeah. then and he created you exactly how you were meant to be and my husband how he was meant to be and you know like it just kind of changes like once you realize that it changes your relationships like it changes your relationship with yourself with God with other people and I think it's important to just always keep that in your mind I can preach to myself all day and say that I am beautiful and I'm fearfully wonderful made and that I'm saved by grace and all these things I can tell myself that all day out of my mouth but doesn't really matter if I don't hold it into my heart as well. And people can preach to me all day and tell me all these things. They can recite all the scriptures under the sun. But if I don't have that in my heart, if I don't know in my heart of hearts mm-hmm. that what I'm saying to myself out of this Bible or what people are preaching to me out of the Word of God is true, then none of it matters. So mm-hmm. I think that when you become a Christian, it's not an instant light switch that's going to turn on, that you're going to feel like, oh, well, I'm this new person. It's a process. Mm-hmm. It's legitimately a process where you have to unlearn a lot of things. You have to unlearn a lot of behaviors. You have to take off a lot of layers of labels, layers of lies and things like that, and replace those with God's truth. Mm-hmm. And you have to surround yourself with people who will continuously speak that truth over yourself. And you have to continuously speak that truth of yourself as well. And a lot of us, we hear the good news, but we don't carry the good news in our hearts. I want to say a huge thank you to Christelle Acevedo and Frances Crusoe for sharing their thoughts and stories with us. Frances is pursuing her master's in clinical mental health so that she can help victims of sex trafficking. You can follow her on Twitter at my underscore beloved underscore one. If you want to see some of Christelle's writing and see what she's up to, you can visit her blog at christelleacevedo.com. That's K-R-I-S-T-E-L-A-C-E-V-E-D-O.com. And a big thank you to Costello and Pretty Broken Things for their amazing music. If you haven't checked them out yet, you should visit their site at prettybrokenthings.bandcamp.com. And if you live in the greater Seattle area, they are playing a show at the Sunset Tavern on May 1st. I also want to thank Sarah Boyd for her interviews and dedication, as well as the entire Sound of the Splendor team. You ladies are the bee's knees. You can see what we've been up to by visiting thesoundandthesplendor.com or following us on Instagram at thesoundandthesplendor. If you have a story to share, please reach out to us by clicking the share link on our site, and never forget that someone needs your story. 
I will leave you with one more song from Costello entitled, In Any Case. Sunlight pours through my open frame It's time to rise and summon voice again Was I dead or just half Drum and can't be discouraged.